0: Face on 3CR with James. On today's show, our guests are Jason Masters and Dina Curie joins us about midsummer. Well, the Australian Parliament is currently running two inquiries into the Religious Discrimination Bill. Jason Masters is an advocate from Sydney who is part of a delegation from the Uniting Church that spoke to the inquiry by the Joint Committee on Human Rights about their concerns with the bill.
1: Look, I think there's a a multiplicity of, of concerns, to be quite honest. But I think uh, the overarching one is that it's very different to any of the other uh, anti-discrimination bills in Australia. So I think it's quite reasonable um, that if you've got a disability, which I have, you're not discriminated um, on employment and access and things like that because you've got a disability or you're not discriminated in the workplace or in society uh, because of the colour of your skin or your ethnicity. And I completely agree with that concept when it comes to uh, people's face. You shouldn't be discriminated in employment or access to the community because you um, have a particular faith. What this legislation does is to go a lot further than that. In that it then allows a person to make of faith to make inappropriate comments to another person that would be insightful, hatred, you know, things like that, and they're protected uh, because they uh, it's their faith. Um, and then it also then goes further again, and uh, where anti-discrimination legislation traditionally protects the individual, this legislation or a person, a human being, this legislation actually goes and protects an organisation, which you know is really unheard of um, um, in most Western countries in the term of um, anti-discrimination. So at the higher level, um, they're the kind of the major level of, of concerns.
0: I'm really glad you raised issues for people with disabilities because so many people with disabilities receive care from religious organisations. This bill has the capacity to marginalise and disadvantage them further.
1: Yes, and it's 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 really interesting. You know, I came out late in life after being married to a woman for, for 20 years. I've got two young adult kids. Um, my This current disability, I had a, a, a minor disability when I was a kid, but this disability comes around from uh, you know, we were told when we officially went into to lockdown to go and do our walks and exercise and um, I was doing a walk through a local trail um, here in North Ride and there was a fallen tree and I you know, tripped and fell and I've had six operations on my arm. I've now got a disability in the arm and I'm you know, still almost two years later still um, you know, attending a Royal Rehab Hospital for our patients rehab. But if I were to give you an example, um, I have a whole lot of nerve damage um, from the the fall. And in December, I got rushed to um, hospital twice with stroke-like symptoms. And as the doctors went through my medication, they saw I had PrEP. Now, um, what I was presenting with, um, was very unusual. And this has been the whole case with this whole injury. Um, you know, my orthopedic surgeon, um, who's been an amazing surgeon, as has been his anaesthetist, you know, have been trying to find out, you know, from literature around the world, you know, how to deal with the complications I've had. And it seems this nerve issue is, is doing the same thing. And so the the doctors in emergency are looking at the sort of the, End of the the you know five percent either way of what could be causing this, and so when they saw prep, they they said, oh maybe you've got syphilis. You know syphilis could bring about this sort of reaction. Um, and I was sitting there twice. The first doctor did it really really badly. The second time I went in December, um, the the doctor did it much better. But it was you know you could see the thinking with the first person. Um, guys on prep must be gay, must be sexually very active, um, probably um, you know, unsafe sex, so a candidate for syphilis. So we've got to uh, we've got to do all this extra testing. You know, from my point of view, that is a you know, appalling medicine. Um, as I said, the second doctor did it a lot better. He said, "Look, we are clutching at straws here. Um, one cause might be." syphilis, we've already taken some blood, let's just exclude it. And I thought, yeah, oh, that's a that's a really nice way of doing it. So that was in a you know in a one of our top public hospitals here in Sydney. That's what happened to me in December. Um, I hate to think what would happen if I was in a religious public hospital. Three
2: cr
3: you spoke
0: at the government's inquiry into the Religious Discrimination Bill uh, as part of a delegation from the Uniting Church. Uh, what was the experience like?
1: Look, it was it was really interesting. It's only the, the second time I've ever been at a, um, an inquiry. The first one was to a New South Wales Upper House inquiry around cemeteries, of all things. Um, so this is the first time I've ever gone as an advocate, so... Um, i was i was very nervous um you know, i'm still recovering from my injury so i get very tired so it was you know it added to you know the stresses of, of what i'm recovering from i think the good thing for me, and I had some feedback from some of my colleagues, so I was there representing Uniting Network Australia, uh, which is the LGBTQ plus network within the Uniting Church that sort of advocates for, for rights within and outside of the Uniting Church. Um, and we were with the um, Uniting Church Assembly. And apart from a couple of things on the margins, you know. Both of our submissions, whilst very different, were giving fundamentally the same message. Um, And it was, from my understanding, it's one of the first time the Assembly and Uniting Network have actually presented together. Um, And so that gave a a very strong message that the Uniting Church, you know, can be inclusive. There certainly are pockets of the Uniting Church that are not inclusive, and, and that's one of the risks we're still trying to work through, how do we you know, let people know which are the, the safe churches to go to? Um, but I think it was very powerful that we, you know, talk together. And in fact, uh, I, I was very proud that the, uh, the President of the Assembly spoke so strongly, not only on women, um, disabilities, but also on the need to protect LGBTQ plus people, and that this legislation um, would not do that.
0: Tell us about the uh, politicians who were uh, on the inquiry asking you questions.
1: Look, I think um, you, you could tell, um, you know, which side of the, the fence they were you know, coming from, but I think we were very lucky. Um, we we took a a risky decision um, with with the the support of Elliot Nicholas who. Um, Only turned 18 late last year, finished his VCE um, out in in the Geelong area last year as a young transgender man to to be one of our spokespersons for Uniting Network. And and whilst he's an adult in his own right, we we did engage with discussions with your parents, and you probably hate me for saying that. But, you know, but that's all about pastoral care and, and making sure uh, he had the support structure. And he made the decision, not his parents, and his parents were uh, very much making sure there was a good structure of support behind him. I, I I think that was so important on a number of levels. Firstly, I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think he was the only transgender person who was a witness um, over the three days. Um, I think he was the only young person who spoke and I think he was the only young person who's just recently finished schools when a lot of the discussion that this inquiry was looking into was around schools. Should schools have the right to discriminate, private schools have the right to discriminate against LGBTIQ plus kids um, and potentially LGBTIQ plus families, um, things like that. And, and so that's always a thing that frustrates me with these sort of inquiries, is the people who are the most affected are often the ones who aren't involved in the conversation. And so Rodney Crooms, who was um, involved um, in the hearing just before us, made the point that he was with a, a collective of Tasmanian entities, um, said that we think we're the only hearing. Uh, sort of witness group, that it's got a disability advocate. And I think the uh, the committee said, I think we've had one other. Um, And again, um, the disability people are as much at risk from this legislation um, as um, LGBTIQ plus people. And, And yet, if you look at all the witnesses, predominantly, if they're religious, They're from the highly conservative side, um, predominantly anti-LGBIQ people, and I would say many of them uh, perhaps aren't supportive of disabled people as they make out they are. Um, so So for us, I think we were lucky having Elliot there in that it made the committee members think a little bit more about how they would ask their questions.
0: It's incredible, isn't it, that they're asking you about discrimination towards our uh, students based on their sexuality and gender identity in schools, when the Prime Minister actually made a promise uh, just before the Wentworth by-election in 2018 to amend legislation so that doesn't happen. Mm. Uh, it's a schmuzzle.
1: Oh, absolute and, and And what becomes more obvious is when you look at some of the other testimony, you know, the religious entities are saying we don't need it but it's not a priority for the prime minister to make the changes the legislation that he promised all that time ago and because it's so complex it has to go through the Australian Law Reform Commission and this legislation is so urgent we need to have it passed now um and and it was interesting when they were um, Uh, I think it was Bishop Steed from the Sydney Anglican Church was being questioned about well you know how much harm are Sydney Anglicans suffering from and he couldn't really um, give examples you he would always refer to you know the Muslims or the Jews being harmed in our society and with that you know what Bishop Steed said there I completely agree with him you know. When I was um, out meeting some you know, Labor politicians in the west of Sydney with um, uh, the um, I think it's the Gay Sydney Muslims Association and, and some other uh, youth political groups um, yeah, as we were talking to the, the Labor, senior Labor politicians out in the west of Sydney, they were all saying, we are really concerned about how the, the Muslims are treated. And if I go back to my my work in the cemeteries, which was the only other um, parliamentary inquiry I've been involved in, I can see how Muslims and Jews um, are so badly impacted in our cultural heritage. But the Christian demand for this level of legislation is extraordinarily and way outside of um, whatever suffering um, they they perceive they're under, and this is one of the problems I have with the Christian lobby. Um, they are phenomenal lobbyists, um, and I would I struggle to see them as a, a Christian group. In fact, you know a lot of my church friends say um, we can't see Christianity in the way they operate, um, but as lobbyists, they are so successful and they pretty much always first cap off the rank um, with all of the, these inquiries. So first cap off the rank um, with this inquiry, I've just seen the list for the, the Senate version of this inquiry, their first cap off the rank with that. When we had um, the horrendous, um Mark Lath and Pauline Hanson One Nation legislation that's been tabled here in New South Wales uh, under the guise of Parental Rights and Education in New South Wales Schools which is primarily about um erasing transgender and gender diverse kids in schools through um a mechanism that if any um Staff at a New South Wales public school provides any support to a transgender or gender diverse child, they would be sacked. So if that's the cleaner, the office staff, the grounds person, and if you're a teacher providing some support to that child, not only do you get sacked, but you lose your teacher's license. Now, now this is how extreme, um, you know, some of this, you know, right wing, I would say, hate-based ideology against the LGBTQ community is getting into and our parliaments in Australia. And, and that inquiry uh, was very biased, the Liberal Party here in New South Wales uh, kind of supported um, the need for this legislation, which is just horrendous. But there again, was the Christian lobby, you know, who are very anti lgbtq and they're, you know, demanding that, you know, that is the sort of legislation we need in Australia.
0: And it really shows just how much the new the religious privilege narrative kind of serves the agenda of the Australian Christian lobby and their incredible resources.
1: Oh, it does. And and part of the the narrative, yeah, you know, it was a great word you use. Part of the narrative is that Christians and Australians are being oppressed. Uh, and my response to that is no, actually, in not being oppressed. What's happening in Australia is that you don't have the automatic right for your views to put into legislative power. What is happening now as people are educated, as people think, as people discuss, as communities develop, they're saying, you know, is is this right? You know, we heard of the slippery slope of gay marriage. Well, the, the slippery slope of gay marriage is the horrendous style of legislation that religious and political right are trying to introduce um, into Australia. Now, again, you know, if I just go back to Sydney Anglicans, which is the, the epicentre of the conservative Anglicans, Anglican movement in the world, you know, they're basically behind Gafgon, Um is um, yeah, they, a couple of synods ago, they moved a motion that, um, schools in their Anglican schools in New South Wales could not have kind of welcomed a country and smoking ceremonies. Now the backlash to that was so horrendous they, they reversed that you know, very quickly but it is still on their policy platform that um, their schools and their ministers are to encourage their parents and of transgender kids and transgender kids not to transition and to stay in the gender of their birth. So essentially, they are setting up a structure of what I think is abuse along the lines of what we've historically seen um, with conversion therapy. Now, they say it's not conversion therapy, it's just providing a level of pastoral care around a family, but that's what they called conversion therapy many years ago.
0: It's interesting, there seems to be a lot of clues being given off by the people pushing this religious discrimination bill, that A, it's about, you know, kind of righting the wrongs from their perspective of the marriage equality law, but also putting structures in place that allow conversion practices.
1: Exactly, and that was the one of the points I raised. So I think a question um, that was, was asked, um, and it's interesting, you, you looked at, the tactics that were being used by the National Catholic Education Board, by Sydney Anglican, by, you know, I think it's Freedom for Faith and others, is, you know, what they decry as the horrors of the Victorian Bill that stops discrimination of employment in uh, private schools in Victoria. Um, My point, that I raised to the committee was um, they're all raising that because um, that's consistent with what they're saying around the other matters. But that is the entry point that they want to use to override all of the bills that are either already been passed or in train to be passed around Australia to stop conversion therapy. And, And one of the things that really disappoints me but it's not surprising given the parliament we've got here in New South Wales is we still don't even have uh, um, a thought bubble in the New South Wales parliament yet um, to ban conversion therapy in New South Wales. So it sounds like a lot of the push
0: for this religious discrimination bill is coming from, you know, uh, groups and MPs from New South Wales. Would you say that's a fair comment?
1: Oh, no, I think it's it's national. Um, you know, you, you, you look at, um, uh, sorry, I'm just trying to remember a name, uh, Senator Claire Chandler, I think, um, in Tasmania, um, who is very much pushing the anti-transgender agenda um and very much pushing um the end of transgender and sport agenda now we all know that sport is really really important for the mental health of, of everybody we know that um mental health in the lgbiq community is below that of the rest of australia so what we want and we're seeing great work done by you know icon's pride in sport and and I can't remember the group down in, in Melbourne there, um, is, is trying to get um, better acceptance of LGBIQ people in sport. And it still horrifies to me today as a lover of AFL, that um, we still don't have a, an out gay, you know, professional footballer in, in, in the AFL. Um, so we know how important sport is um, for the LGBIQ community. And yet we've got somebody like Senator Chandler, who is attacking um, the transgender community and attacking um, uh, transgender people in sport? Yeah, you know, there's another senator in, in Queensland, um, name and lose me. I think she wasn't voted in the last election. I think she filled a vacancy. Um, again, running a, a very anti-transgender uh, campaign. Um, that in every state uh, in in Australia. Um, there are conservative you know, politicians um, who are running uh, a major, you know, process to look at what's happening to um, get religious discrimination up and running um, in, uh, in Australia. And, you know, if you just look at, you know, I grew up in Adelaide, so I try and keep track of what's happening over there. But you, you look what's been happening with the Liberal Party, you know, when I grew up there, um, yeah, the Liberal Party, were, were at, South Australian Liberals, were the, the epicentre of what used to be called the wets. So they were the the, the moderates of, of the Liberal Party uh, in Australia. Uh, and John Howard, when he came to power, I think systematically tried to get rid of the wets. And so we've seen this dramatic move to the right of the Liberal Party in Australia. You know, we have seen an attempted takeover by the, the Liberal Party in in South Australia, by the, the Pentecostal churches in, in, in Adelaide. You know, we're seeing um, uh, Scott Morrison, you know, trying to uh, push uh, for um, uh, a candidate on the Central Coast who's a Pentecostal. So, you know, the intermeshing of the Pentecostal church and the Liberal Party is actually now quite concerning.
0: Is it your view just being the politics of the religious discrimination bill that the Prime Minister will try and ram it through the Parliament before the election? Yes.
1: And if you look at how short a time frame, and this is one of the big questions we had from the committee, is um, the short time frame we had to write our submissions. Um, I think I had 60 hours notice to attend the hearing. Um, So Yeah, he's really trying to to ram this, this in. And, yeah, we put in our submission that, you know, this is one of the greatest threats to social cohesion in Australia.
0: Jason Masters, thank you so much for your insights. Great to chat with you on 3CR. A pleasure.
2: bombs begin to fall Everyone ever saw Heaven mm-hmm. help the black man if he struggles one more day Heaven help the white
3: Falling right into my plan
0: spears there radar we also heard from stevie wonder with heaven help us all well melbourne's midsummer festival begins on sunday with carnival and i spoke with entertainer and community stalwart all about it
4: oh thank you very much yes midsummer is here
0: what a strange time to be having it. it's the normal time but with the surge so
4: much is up in the air but it's powering ahead still Look, it it really is. Look, you're absolutely right. Like, how crazy can it be? None of us thought at the end of last year that we'd be rocketing this way again, but it is different to previous years, and it's great that we're able to have the festival back in summer because last year, obviously, it was moved around to different times. So it's great to be able to start our year celebrating Pride, even if it is just a little different.
0: Now, of course, our carnival's on Sunday. It seems like you're everywhere at carnival this year. What are you up to? (laughs)
4: Yeah, look, I am. Um, without even realising it or planning it, it just kind of happens so part of this has been um, helping out in different bits and pieces I'm hosting the sports precinct stage uh, during Carnival Day which is a mixture of different things at the sports precinct because obviously they can't do some of the activities they'd normally do like the wrestlers would do wrestling or we'd do a community tug of war but with COVID restrictions the way they are and everyone just trying to keep a little safer they can't do things that same way so throughout the day on the sports precinct stage I'm going to be Um, hosting and chatting with some great uh, queer athletes and they're going to be talking about their teams and things that they do and providing some great entertainment which is going to be such a hoot. Also, on the main stage, uh, before the big opening ceremony at 1 o'clock, I'm going to be singing with the Melbourne Rainbow Band, which is really exciting. We talked about um, singing at Carnival Day, uh, with this being my 16th year of Midsummer as well. We, I talked with them after doing some events with them last year about singing at Carnival Day. So that and rehearsals have gone really well, and we're pretty excited. Also, before the dog show, I'm going to be singing up a storm on the picnic carnival stage. And then after the dog show, we have Lip Sync Limelight, which has become a bit of a uh, a, a little beacon in the Midsummer Carnival Day calendar. Really, a few years ago, uh, we, uh, we Midsummer just went, hey, what if we did a little bit of an open drag competition for anyone who wanted to come and enter? And we did it, and it's now become a great way to cap off the end of Carnival Day before T-Dance starts over at the picnic stage, where everyone can get up and register a spot, whether you're in full drag or not. Last year, we had uh, some great entertainers just just wrap themselves in their asexual flags and come up and do a number, and it was really wonderful. And it's great because everyone's there to cheer them on. And And, look, yeah, it's a little bit crazy when you think about it. I'm jumping from stage to stage all Carnival Day, but I wouldn't have it any other way
1: well
0: it's how you thrive it's almost like you've become the mascot of carnival over the last few years
4: <laughs> oh look I think it, I think it's just that little community darling tick thing where you know if, if people reach out and go hey want to do this yeah sure why not hey want to do this yeah sure how can I help and and it's just kind of grown and evolved for me I think that's that's kind of how I look at it it's not you know and and it's look it's It's an exciting day. I know a lot of people are thinking, oh, it's going to be 35 degrees. Oh, we have to wear masks while moving around oh, what does this mean with Omicron and everything? And and everyone's a little anxious about it all. But what's really wonderful is we've got these three stages spaced out throughout the gardens. There's um, a great community space that's happening with lots of different businesses and, and queer community groups and all of that. And it's just, I just encourage everyone, if you're feeling safe and welcome to, to come and dip your toe back into Midsummer and into Pride. Because for me, Carnival Day... Look, I would, I love it. You know, jumping around, doing a million things. That's how, how I like to roll during my pride season and Carnival Day, especially because you get to see everyone, you get to experience pride. And, and you know what? After the start of this year, when none of us expected this, oh, I need it. I need it so much. So I, I encourage everyone to come and just be a part of the pride that exists if you feel safe to be able to do so.
0: Yeah, it's that real balancing act. People really want it. They really need it. They really need those community connections face to face. But there is that fear because of the surge, isn't there?
4: Well, it's not it's not even just about a surge. Look, I think we're in a very different space to the space that we've been in previously when it comes to the pandemic and and the way we're living through it in the current time it does feel like we're definitely over a certain hurdle that we haven't been in in the past two years which I think is really wonderful but I think what a lot of people forget is it's not just about a surge or it's not just about oh having to have a few days off from work but we are a part of a community with many different people who are you know compromised different ages live in different abilities and spaces and and Pride is just as important to them, and I know many people who have just said, "You know, I'm not. I'm. I'm older. I'm not putting myself at that kind of risk, so I'm not going to come." And are just looking forward to seeing everyone's photos and sharing in the joy of the day. I, I think it's more than just a fear of a surge. You know, we just need to now look at the broader community and what we're, who we're leaving behind in as we move forward with the way in which we are with the pandemic. But that's why I encourage everybody who's coming on Sunday, share the love, share the pride, share videos, share pictures, because not everyone's going to be, feel safe or comfortable to be able to be a part of it. We've had, look, I mean, the reality of of where we've started with all of this for the year has meant, you know, I've had to postpone some events to later in the year. Many people have had to do so. It's not, it's amazing how many people have just gone, oh, well, doesn't, you know, the change of restrictions just affect, you know, dance parties? But it's not the case. You know, it it changes things for artists all over the place. I know a couple of shows that have had to postpone simply because they can't have um, rehearsals because everyone's it had to be locked down or in isolation. And it's changed how we're doing everything, which is why I think it's really important for everyone to step into Pride however they can. And remember that if you can't be a Carnival Day, we've still got Pride March and we've still got Melbourne Pride happening uh, throughout Midsummer, which are going to have virtual options for everyone to be able to be a part of
0: and it really sounds like midsummer is taking steps to make it as safe as possible for people.
4: Oh, oh god, look, it look it's so funny because everyone often looks at midsummer like this this, you know, big corporate beasts that they don't get to be a part of but think about what this organisation that, that doesn't have tonnes of money and has literally been been running on whatever they can for the past few years has had to do to constantly pivot and roll with everything as well and to still be able to bring us this celebration of pride makes me really happy and is really exciting and it isn't easy for them like the work gets doubled and quadrupled even just from my little spots on the stage the stages the meetings we've had to have and the conversations and the way we've had to think about what we're doing and how is really different like this work Week I've been sharing, you know, chandelier has become a song that I sing often. And at Carnival Day, the first time I ever did it was with a friend and who just got up and danced and jumped around like crazy while I was singing the song. And it became this beautiful moment for us all to enjoy. And now we've had to think about well, this year we've got to change things a little differently. What does it mean for people's access and abilities and how many people are going to be in a space at a time? And it's just for a way for us all to think smarter and not harder, but also be able to make the most out of our pride season.
1: So of all
0: the things you're doing at Carnival, what's your favourite?
4: I, oh, I, I I don't know, to be honest, and I think the reason why is because every, I mean, I'm jumping around from stage to stage, but every stage is going to be different. On one, I get to be a part of the sporting community and the inclusion that comes with that, which is very close to my heart. Um, I'm not the most fittest and sportiest of person, but the inclusion that those clubs and the spaces that the sport, the movements that we've had with the sporting groups is just huge. On the main stage, I get to sing with the Melbourne Rainbow Band, who are just so wonderful and amazing, and to be a part of. But, you know, a little bit of what they're doing at Carnival makes me really happy. And at the picnic stage, I get to strut my stuff. I get to host a wonderful lipstick event. And the beauty of that stage is it's another way to connect with community in a different way. Years ago, the picnic stage and the main stage used to be like no one wanted to be on the picnic stage. I remember the first time I was ever on it you know I, it was uh, i was singing love songs and dedications and handing out carnations to people as they would request a song and then i would sing it the picnic stage was something very different and over the years that's really changed and now both stages are great spaces to highlight such inclusion such diversity and such a mix of what's coming to Midsummer this year. We've got comedians, we've got, you know, drag performances, we've got singers, we've got so much, we've got cabaret. There's tons of it happening on both stages throughout the days, not just DJs and things like that. So it's really wonderful and really exciting. And each one gives you something different. And I reckon the picnic stage is going to go off a little bit because everyone is going to run to get that shade. With it being a 35 degree day, all of the shade that comes through the picnic stage, <laughs> I think, has made it one of those places that everyone loves to be a part of and just relax with their pants. Tell us
0: more about the dog show. That's always a huge favourite and I love it.
4: Oh, absolutely. And this year, the dog show is hosted by the fabulous Nicholas, which is gonna, Nick is going to have such a wonderful time. I love the dog show each and every year. I've never gotten to host it. And one year I'm hoping to be able to, because it's so much fun, especially because people just come along with their dogs. And sometimes we've had, you know, some human dogs. Sometimes we've had some animals and they get to just strut their staff, dress up. I've loved, you know, sometimes people do matching outfits with their dogs and things like that. And what's great about the dog show, Lip Sync Limelight, all these things, is you can just just come on the day and register. If you check out Midsummer's social media and on their website, all the details are there. And the beauty of it is you can come along on the day and you can be at Carnival with your dog. And if you feel like going, yeah, we want to do it, do it. Jump in and be a part of the dog show. You know, it's it's just wonderful to see everyone celebrating the pets and celebrating, you know, a different sides of things. And really, the dog show is just a hoot. I reckon Nick is going to have a blast with that one.
0: Absolutely. Now, of course, Midsummer goes for several weeks. Uh, Where else are we going to see you, first of all, throughout the festival? I mean, you can't be resting on your laurels.
4: Well, I'll... I'll... who has time to rest, to be honest. I'm jumping around like crazy. Um, the day after Carnival, in fact, you'll uh, be seeing something a little bit exciting at the Australian Open uh, by me and some other uh, drag performers, which is a little bit exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the ground running as I always do. Um, uh, one tip I did want to share with listeners, this is a really big one for me, uh, that I, I say each and every year. Years ago with me working for different queer publications, I would go nuts during Midsummer to make sure I tried to highlight everything and everyone as much as possible. And there's a huge amount huge amount of work that comes into that. What I would stress to everybody is please go to the Midsummer website because there have been some postponements of some events and shows to check out what's on. Um, and also check out the Midsummer Guide as well. And just a top tip I want to throw out there. When it comes to looking at other guides or articles that say, here's what you should see, remember, everyone's working on basically press releases or little bits of information that they've got. So if you want to get the whole picture of what you can be a part of at Midsummer Festival this year, the trick is to go to the Midsummer website. Go to the point of contact. The reason why I say that is because there are so many wonderful things that everyone just doesn't get to show and share. And they're sharing that on their socials. And the details are all on the website. As for where I'm going to be, I mean, every couple of days, it keeps changing. (laughs) I'm hosting a couple of pool parties a weekend from now, which makes me really excited. The Thorn Harbour Quill Pool Party is back at um, around Aquatic Centre, which I'm very excited for. But what's, I mean, it's kind of crazy over the course of, of the past couple of weeks with everything rolling around and changing. So has what I'm doing. Uh, even, uh, you know, today I'm dealing with a couple of conversations about people trying to get some rainbow story time in some spaces and places, and I'm just trying to help as much as I can and be able to be a part of this Pride season. Look, check out everyone's social media. I've, I've made a huge listing of everywhere I'm going to be on my website, but I really do encourage everybody, it might seem daunting to jump into the website, but it's really not. Go and see what's on. Because there's so many different things. There's lots of free events. There's the, um, trans pride concert that's happening at Fed Square that, oh, I just think is going to be so wonderful to think that we, this was meant to be the trans pride march that's kept obviously having to change because of the, um, pandemic and that the, they're able to do that this year and, and highlight lots of wonderful trans artists is really fantastic. But there's honestly so much from sporting activities to, you know, the, the queer history walks, there's great things happening at the hubs from the hair hole on one side of the river to the pride centre on another, you've got Gasworks. there's so much, and it's all had to change and everyone's trying to work as best that they can. So I encourage everyone to just dive in big time. As for me, we at the hair hole, I'm doing a wonderful um, show with Miss Jay where we're doing sing along drag time, where, which is a family friendly show, but we figure on a Saturday afternoon, a few other people might wanna come and be a part of it and just enjoy the queer, kid fun that we're going to be a part of and and I've got more coming you know t- towards the end of uh, of midsummer as well and I'm doing a lot of hosting all the way through you know it's great to just be a part of other people's events and be a part of what they're doing and how they're doing it it's just it's I just love it like I know I'm rambling a little bit but honestly it's great to be able to start my year with midsummer I love it so much
1: love
0: your enthusiasm love your energy and love your support of the community Dina curie thanks so much for chatting with me on
4: 3CR oh thanks for having me again you <laughs>
0: X there suckwactic summer, taking says Mazzy Star with Spoon. So allowed to break into your phone if they have a reason to do so.
3: And what we end up with is a surveillance state.
0: What we end up with is multiple government agencies that have legal powers to surveil you when you have not been proven guilty. The underlying tenet of Western law is that you are innocent until proven guilty. What we're moving to is suspicion is enough to take away rights in order to build a case towards guilt. And that's not a legal framework that we agreed
4: to.
3: 3CR, your station in struggle and solidarity.
4: To donate, go to 3cr.org.au
1: 3CR